Armin Tiffy with us last week is uh, away this week with his wife enjoying an anniversary. And we'll be back next week uh, to uh, lead us and guide us in some marriage counseling issues. But tonight, my brothers and I want to address the issue of doctrine and how it affects counseling. It's an interesting topic because normally you wouldn't think of doctrine being an important part of a counseling session. What what place would doctrine have, if any? In fact, the secular world probably thinks little or nothing about doctrine uh, of any sort when they're counseling people with problems. That's what we're going to talk about tonight in different sorts of ways and, and different kind of problems and how doctrine is related to those issues. But before we start that, let me encourage you to uh, to call us uh, later on in the program, 10, 15 minutes or so from now. We're going to open up the lines. We are live with you. And the number that you can call locally is 216-901-0933. Or you could call toll-free 1-888-677-WORD. That would be 888-677-9673. Oh, we're looking forward to your calls a little later, but right now, let's start uh, asking this question. Um, Glenn, let's say somebody would, would come to you for counseling, someone that uh, maybe off the street hears that you're a counselor and as well as a pastor, and they're very emotionally distraught, and they begin to lay out the problem to you that they have. Uh, let's say this is a man. Uh, are you able to counsel this man apart from doctrine? Um, secular counseling, as I said, gives little or no thought to that at all. What, why might we as biblical counselors consider doctrine an important part of a counseling session? Well, you would be able to perhaps counsel apart from doctrine, but the counsel that you would give would be weak and ineffective, at least in the long-term solution. I think this is such an important area to talk about, especially as we come to the matters of biblical counseling. It seems that it's not only the seculars that, uh, that uh, struggle with the matters of uh, doctrine, but it's also, uh, unfortunately, many Christians who want to divorce the importance of doctrine from their everyday Christian lives and the way that they live. Um, and this shouldn't be the case. Oftentimes in the church, and I've grown up in the church, mm-hmm. uh, when we speak of doctrine, we think that that is something that uh, pastors are to be concerned with, or we think it's something that m- perhaps missionaries are concerned with or theologians who are stuck in a dusty uh, room in a high tower. But the actual point of fact is, is, is if you're asking about a man who's coming, uh, struggling with a depression, struggling with uh, the issues of life, there's no better place than to take him than to the, it, to the issue of God's Word and to doctrine. The, 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 the point of the matter is, if you want to act saved, you have to think saved. And I think Paul uh, tells Timothy that in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 and verse uh, 16, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Mm-hmm. In other words, it seems uh, to me that apart from doctrine, we don't know how to live, and we don't live in the way that God would intend us to live. And so to divorce ourselves from doctrine means that we're going to put ourselves in a position where we're going to divorce ourselves from knowing how to live. So it's not inappropriate to take a man like that and to say, this is what the Bible teaches us about the way that you feel, because ultimately what has to happen for us as Christian counselors, as pastors, 
we have to come to the place, and I think, you, you know, you and Gus can certainly uh, disagree with me, but hopefully you'll do that when the radio gets uh, turned off. But I think um, what we see here is that as Christians, especially in the evangelical community, our faith needs to inform our feelings. Our feelings far too often informs our faith. And so this whole idea then of, of the matter of how you're thinking, what you're thinking, what truth says to the matter of the way you feel, I think is really significant. And that, that plays itself out uh, uh, quite a bit, and that is uh, people, I notice that uh, they're more interested in how they feel. Mm. I feel this way rather than right. this is the way I think. Uh, they have the, uh, I often tell people that uh, their lives are driven that the engine is their feeling about this depression you talk about mm-hmm. and that their doctrine or the word of God is the caboose. Mm-hmm. And we have to get that uh, right. t- turned around. We have to understand the doctrine of God, the doctrine of sin, uh, the doctrine of many things mm-hmm. in order to uh, be able to properly counsel them. Amen. Now, now Gus, you're a pastor of um, pastoral care. You're not the the preacher every Sunday where, Glenn, you are at your church. And it seems that uh, many pastors tend to focus on doctrine, at least in solid evangelical churches. And there might be a lot of doctrine taught from the pulpit, uh, but it doesn't often get down into the everyday lives of people in uh, the normal way that doctrine is preached. Those of us that have been trained in biblical counseling, you know, we— we're aware of the impact of the practical use of Scripture and doctrine in a person's life. Um, I think one of the best passages is 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 and 17, where it says the Word of God is breathed out by God, inspired of God, uh, and profitable for doctrine Mm -hmm. and uh, reproof and Mm -hmm. correction and training in righteousness. So the Bible is given, yes, to teach doctrine, but it's practical. It's lived out in a life so that a person is... Uh, capable of fulfilling everything that God is equipping him for. What I'd like to do is think about this issue of doctrine and counseling from two two different aspects. First of all, the aspect of the doctrine of the counselor. That would be one thing. What what kind of doctrines does the counselor need to uh, believe and have faith in to be an effective counselor? And how does that affect their counseling? And then the other side of the coin is what kinds of doctrines are paramount for a person with problems to be aware of and and have faith in uh, that make their uh, goals and their their cure, if you will, bad word for for it, but the solving of their problems uh, an achievable goal. Well, let's start with the the first uh, one I, I brought up there. What, Glenn? You said it early in the program already. You said uh, something about somebody being saved mm-hmm. and. What what should it matter if a person is saved or not? If they're struggling with depression or anxiety or panic attacks or they're worried sick or they're fearful people or uh, they have financial pressures or or their marriage is, is falling apart, um, are, you, are you saying that if somebody comes for counseling, it really makes a difference whether they're a genuine saved Christian or not? Well, I think, I think absolutely. Uh, Dr. Adams... Um, rightly states that counseling must be redemptive. Mm-hmm. In other words, I think what we see there is that in all true biblical counseling, we first and foremost have to have salvation in mind, not just the solution to the quote-unquote problem, 
or the issue that uh, might bring the counselee in in the first place, it may be that that counselee is facing those things. It may be that he's struggling with those things precisely because God is trying to get his attention in the matters of his own personal relationship with uh, the Heavenly Father. So it would be, I think, a, a high disservice on my part as a pastor and as a biblical counselor to not address this issue first. And if if you want, uh, we'll go ahead. Um, the Bible tells us that natural man understands not the things of God. Right? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking to someone that is not regenerated and they they are spiritually dead, they cannot even receive the Word of God to be able to get at the the core because Scripture uh, is able to divide the heart even to the bone and marrow and to get to the thoughts and intent of the heart to determine what might be driving this issue that they've come for counseling. You use the term, Gus, regenerated. That might be a foreign term to some of our listeners. Uh, what what is this regeneration that you're talking about? How would we define such a fancy word? Re- regeneration is is first the first act of, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit touches us, uh, touches a heart, and draws it to Himself, and causes that person to to have a desire for God. It causes that person to realize that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And, and that, that's the beginning of what, what is regeneration. And that person has to embrace and receive from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. The, the truth of his Word about his lost condition so that he can come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Mm. You're reminding me of Ephesians chapter 2, mm. which says that um, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Uh, that verses 4 and 5 there are profound. They indicate that the normal state of people is to be dead. That's right. And in verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So it's not just non-Christians or everybody is born a sinner. I mean, think we know that from other passages. So this deadness due to our sin puts us in a place where we, as you said, Gus, in our natural state are incapable of receiving or comprehending spiritual truths or issues. So therefore, if I'm hearing you right, um, we can't really understand the problems that we are experiencing. Right. We can't Amen. really understand them, let Amen. alone understand the cure. You know, it's worse than that, too. Not, not that it could be much worse than being spiritually dead, but mm-hmm. Paul says in 1 Corinthians one eighteen, for the preaching of the cross is actually foolishness yes. to them that are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved is the very power of God. So the, the idea of dealing with someone in the matters of their justification and the, it, it, talking about their personal relationship to the Father through the Son is really tantamount if you're going to be able to speak to them about uh, spiritual issues. And Gus said it, you know, we need the Spirit of God to enable us to understand what God's Word actually says. This is the, this is the Holy Spirit's work today. It's, a, it's the matter of his work of illumination. And it's uh, very difficult to do that with someone who's denying uh, that their problem has a spiritual root or their problem has a spiritual basis and they've got no relationship. Uh, they think that what you're saying is foolishness. So, 
it, it, it only comes really first and foremost by dealing with them in the matters of their own relationship. And this is where it's such a privilege to do biblical counseling. Because so, you get the opportunity to evangelize and to and to be like Jesus in dealing with the woman at the well in John chapter four, who deals with her at the level of her problem and then handles it spiritually. Are, are you saying, Glenn, though, that every problem human beings experience has a spiritual root or foundation to it? I would, as long as it's not an organic problem, every problem has a spiritual uh, root to it, and this is what makes. The opportunity that we have here and the opportunity to be in the radio and the opportunity to proclaim the gospel from the pulpit, so dramatic, because God's Word makes to us certain promises. Well, let me, let me uh, push it a little farther. I would say even all the organic problems we experience in this life are a direct result of a spiritual issue. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. biblical counseling, uh, as counselors, we're not trained to treat the body problems, the organic problems. Doctors do that. But the soul issues that we're... Um, focusing on on our program are related to, to the, the scriptures addressing those. Gus, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, many many people come to us and uh, for counseling, and they don't understand this. Mm. And they come and they expect the, the biblical counselor. First of all, they're not sure what a biblical counselor is. Mm-hmm. And they expect him to give some of the... the principles that they have heard from the secular world. And they claim many times that they are regenerated. Mm. But I I go back to a survey done by uh, Barna in which he said that, uh, uh, this was done in in, uh, 2002, that uh, only 25% of those who claim to be Christian are truly born again. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that number, you find out that most of the people in our churches, they may have raised their hand, made an altar call, did something external, but they never were regenerated, mm-hmm. and they're expecting uh, regenerated results. Yeah, miraculous mm-hmm. kinds of yeah. things mm-hmm. to happen, That's right. and God hasn't changed their heart yet. Well, this is interesting. We're, we're talking about a particular doctrine right at the outset, and that doctrine, you mentioned the word justification. Mm. And uh, when we come back from this break, Glenn, I'm going to ask you to to define the term justification for us, and then we'll be uh, talking to our first caller as well. We'll be right back. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. 
Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. My name is Hope Taft, and I've been a volunteer all my life. Today, as First Lady of Ohio, I work with young people and with the families of servicemen and women stationed overseas. I also work to encourage volunteer participation by others. I believe volunteering is the best way to get to know your community. I believe that volunteering helps young people meet new friends and develop new interests. And I believe that family volunteering is the best kind because it nurtures a legacy of giving. Everyone has gifts to offer, whether it's time, energy, ideas, or abilities. But a gift is not a gift until it's given away. Volunteering offers many ways to give back to your community. There's an opportunity for you and your family to get involved at volunteer.gov. Make a difference. Volunteer. This is President George W. Bush. USA Freedom Corps has a volunteer opportunity that's just right for you. Visit volunteer.gov. When you help your neighbor, you help your nation. Well, welcome back to Transforming Lives here on 1220 AM Raider, simulcast on 1440. In just a few minutes, the lines will open up. Uh, Toll-free number 888-677-WORD. That would be 888-677-9673. We do have a caller, and we'll be with him in just a moment. But but Glenn, um, commercial just ran that said something about Covenant Bible Fellowship. That's where you're the pastor, isn't it? Well, No. It's Cornerstone, Cornerstone Bible <laughs> Fellowship. How do you do? My name's Glenn Dunn. Uh, nice <laughs> to meet you, yeah. But you were you were talking before the break about justification, and we're talking about doctrine and counseling. Could you yes. give us a brief definition of the doctrine of justification? I think there's probably no more scriptural or succinct theological definition than that, is, which is given by the Shorter Catechism. Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all our sins— and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So although being guilty, justification is the judicial act of God where in his courtroom he declares the guilty innocent through the sacrifice of his son. And it's just as exactly 
as Gus has already said, how does that happen? We are justified by faith, which by necessity then excludes our works or even any mixture of faith and works which we might like to uh, combine together. It is mm-hmm. strictly uh, by faith. And we all know Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which you've already read for us, Ephesians 2, 10, for you are God's workmanship created mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. But it's from God, it's through God, it's for God. And uh, justification is that act then that God declares us, although guilty, he declares us innocent by viewing us through the matter of his uh, son's death mm-hmm. and resurrection. So we're dead, technically, in tra- sins and trespasses. God changes our hearts of his own purpose right. and will, yeah. apart from anything we can do, makes us alive, and gives us faith to believe the gospel, counts us righteous as, as a result of Christ's work. Right. In the catechism definition that you just gave, you used the term, uh, the um, uh, theological term, imputed. Mm. And lots of people might understand, might not understand what imputed righteousness is because so many people are so entwined with a works-oriented faith mm-hmm. uh, that they can't even grasp the fact that, that, that Jesus Christ accounted to us as righteous. He, he laid this upon us for nothing, what we, for nothing of what we, what we ourselves did. Abram was accounted as righteous mm-hmm. for having faith in God. So it's imputing the righteousness. It's laying upon us mm-hmm. a white robe of righteousness, even though we yet sin, and covers us. And Jesus, God the Father looks down, and he doesn't see us. He sees his son. Mm-hmm. He sees his righteousness. And the other part of that is the imputing of our sin, Onto Christ, exactly. Mm. Laying, 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 being laid to the cross. Mm-hmm. What a divine exchange there! Mm-hmm. Quite, uh, quite impo- impossible trade to imagine. Our wickedness and sin for His righteousness. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about justification, and we're saying that uh, that doctrine is critical for counseling because uh, in the world it wouldn't matter whatsoever what person's spiritual state. Uh, they mention a problem and they try to fix the problem and there's no concern about their spiritual state. Uh, What would be the danger of doing that as a biblical counselor, actually trying to help someone who is not regenerate or born again or with different terms that are used to talk about a brand new person in Christ? What would be the danger of helping them improve their lives by focusing only on the problem they bring to us and not addressing this serious issue of their heart? Why would that be so bad? And either one of you. At best, it would be a Band-Aid. It it, it is trying to change behavior without getting to the heart because we have to get to the heart of where the issue is. Mm -hmm. So uh, secular counseling begins most of the time working with behavior, tries to change behavior called behavior modification, things of that nature, Mm -hmm. where biblical counseling wants to get by the Holy Spirit with a man of God using the word of God to get at the heart mm. to be able to to have the Holy Spirit flush that out. I think, too, oftentimes what we forget and what people may forget, we want a solution to the problem, but it, the, the solution to the problem, you may have that issue strictly because Christ or the Spirit of God is trying to deal with you in the matters of your greatest need, and your your greatest need is going to be made right with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that only happens through Jesus Christ. That only happens through this matter of being born again. Uh, you know, Gus used the term regenerate. 
And Jesus himself is, I know the term has been maligned, it's been abused, it's been misused, mm-hmm. it, it's applied to cities now and so forth and mm-hmm. so on. It's cheapened in the, in, the, in the context from which it's used. But when it's Jesus himself who uses it, and Jesus uses it with the spiritual leader of the day, and he tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that, that is what the term regenerate really uh, means, to regenerate, to right. be to be born anew uh, spiritually. And of course, Nicodemus didn't understand it. He said, I'm an old man. What, I have to enter the second time into my mother's womb? And, and Jesus expresses some sort of uh, you know, shock and dismay with him. He said, you're, you're a religious Teacher, leader? Yeah, you don't, you don't understand this? Sir, sure. You know, so the idea that, that it, it is uh, critical for people to understand is you may have what you're dealing with even if it's depression, so forth. Think of, think, think of what David says in the Psalms, in Psalm 42 and verse 5. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Mm-hmm. Put your hope in God. Mm-hmm. You see, it, to me, that, that is a, a tremendous indicator of, of the spiritual nature of depression. It, it has to do so much with where your hope is placed. Exactly. And you may be struggling because your hope is placed in, in the world's answers, the world's philosophy, the world's thinking, and God is trying to get your attention. Yeah. Certain expectation that you have and it's not happening. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think that's one of the best ways we can say it, that uh, oftentimes, oftentimes a, a person who doesn't know the Lord having a problem, it's God's way of getting their attention. Mm-hmm. And for us to ignore that and for them to ignore that and only focus on the problem is to miss the fact that God's been knocking on their door. And they're not capable of hearing that knock, and we ought to be so that we can help them answer. Well, we've got a caller right now that uh, we want to talk to on the line. Ron, are you there? Yes, I am. How Ron you doing? from Warren, welcome. How you doing, Joe? Wonderful. And how are you? Good. I'm doing good. Great. Um. Yeah, I'd like to um, just give some testimony on on the situation I went through and how the biblical biblical counseling helped me. Yes, go ahead, please. Um, basically, uh, Joe, I just want to get into how how it originated and, and basically how I met you and and how the counseling helped me. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, about eight months ago, uh, actually r- right before last Christmas, um, I'd went through a tribulation, a trial. And uh, basically, a spirit of uh, torment had come upon me. I was off work, and basically, I I uh, was off during that time that I was off. I was basically my wife was working, so I I had time on my hands, and we don't have any children. So anyhow, um, I had uh, went through my daily routine, and and I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior about two and a half years ago. But yeah. anyhow, um, I had uh, was basically just at my house and, and, and doing my uh, regular routine, reading the Word in the morning, and uh, I had noticed when I'd gotten up uh, something different during this period of time, uh, and it was a spirit of torment, of impure thoughts. And um, I had uh, basically was demanding these uh, these thoughts to, to flee, and uh, this went on for about a day and a half, uh, maybe two days, and it, w- it was uh, very emotionally, uh, physically, and spiritually distraughting to me. Uh, I didn't know... Didn't have the um, didn't didn't have the discipleship I needed probably in my early Christian walk and didn't di- didn't uh, maybe have full understanding of the word and like I needed needed to and basically um, uh, at the end of this uh, this particular period of time um, I got a word of knowledge that God had given to me uh, I was listening to a minister and uh, it was just it was just unbelievable the, the torment these thoughts just wouldn't leave and. Uh, I, I, the Lord just kind of gave me a revelation, and I'd commanded in Jesus' name 
for this spirit of torment to loosen itself from my mind. And from that spontaneous moment, I was delivered from the power. I mean, just the spirit had just left me, and the glory of God come upon me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, and I had never felt peace and glory like that. Praise be to God. But um, what it brought on uh, some ongoing issues is after that, um, I, I was, um, you know, like the next day, I was very distraught um, and, and just not knowing uh, the Christian walk and how at times we go through tribulation and trials. And um, so I just, I just didn't, didn't have a lot of uh, discipleship or people around me like I needed to. And at this point, it brought on depression, anxiety frustration. Mm-hmm. I was losing sleep, and um, I was I was looking, you know, reaching out uh, to, to wherever, where I needed to, and, and I knew I needed to reach out to God, and uh, through prayer and listening to um, another radio station, I had um, gotten some information, and they had given me a number to biblical counseling, which I, I have not heard of before, and that's how I got introduced to uh, you, Joe, and uh, as you well know, and I contacted contacted Joe, and um, and we got together, and um, and we started started into the Word. And I just want to say to to the listeners that um, uh, you know how how much the biblical counseling helped me. How um, through a period of time of, of meditating in the Word, and not just reading the Word, but comprehending the Word, knowing what the Word says. You know, the Word says uh, you should know my truth, and the truth will set you free also saying that um, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And I, I think there's just so much there that we need to understand, especially as new Christians, on how we need to be fed daily in the Word. And if we're going through times like I was, we need to reach out to, uh, to counselors, to pastors that are in the Word, that know the Word, and God just using them and, and allowing that Word to just set us free. And um, I'd just like to say that um, Joe was just, I mean, the, the counseling was, was just, you know, God working through him, unbelievable, and I mean, through a period of time, just totally setting me free of mm-hmm. the depression, the anxiety, my sleep coming back, mm-hmm. and um, it just, it's just, you know, it's just unbelievable, and, and the only thing that's really going to ever set you free, like you said, I agree 100%, you, you go into secular counseling, you're looking for um, something that's not going to, you're not going to get any help, I mean, you know, we're, we were creating God's image, and he's given us the word to set us free. And Amen. I mean, that is the only thing that's going to set you free. Well, Ron, uh, God did some awesome things in your life. And I want to ask you some specific questions about that. Uh, can you hang on right after the break? Sure can. We want to, we want to kind of go over what you've just said and, and amplify that a little bit. Hang on, folks, and listen to Ron's excellent testimony, God's gracious work in his life. We'll be right back. desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. 
The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. AM 1220, The Word. Life-Changing Radio. Welcome back. We're on the air right now with uh, Ron and Warren. Ron, you still with us? Yes, I am. Good. Listen, Ron, uh, let's get straight what you said. Originally, uh, eight months or so ago, you found yourself plagued with tormenting thoughts. They were aggravating, distressing uh, they were impure in, in some sorts of ways, and it basically uh, it lasted for a couple of days. It was kind of scary to you. That's correct? Correct. And then you heard a preacher or someone uh, talk about uh, a method of trying to deal with that by rebuking them or commanding them to leave you. Is that is that what I heard? Yeah, that, that is correct. And when you did that, you found some temporary relief. That is correct. I remember when you came to see me, you told me that you were practicing that particular method quite regularly because it was the only thing you knew to do. That is correct. And yet uh, you still were tormented. They would come back and torment you, right? Right. Amen. So then what we began to do was open up the scriptures and find... In fact, didn't you tell me that you started to wonder even if you were going to stay saved, if the devil was going to come in and take you over? And uh, you were concerned about that too, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, basically, uh, like I said, um, um, you know, the enemy, the, as far as the tormenting thoughts, I mean, I, I was freed in, in the name of Jesus, and, and them tormenting spirits went away, but um, uh, after that moment, and then the period of time, which was probably about a month or two, there, anxiety had come, in, and because I wasn't rooted in the Word, mm-hmm. and yeah, there was, there was, you know, th- the enemy would try to put thoughts in my mind that, you know, you're not... You're not saved. You're not born again, and and um, you know, uh, you know. And why is this happening to me? And all right, those things right, you were saying. Right, right, right. That I'm different from everyone else. And, right, right. So what we began to do is look at passages of scripture that uh, indicated uh, how how you should understand your relationship with Christ as an ongoing one, not just a getting saved and then and then wondering if you would ever stay saved. Right. So. What we're talking about, uh, Gus and Glenn, as we're talking with Ron over the phone, is what we ended up doing, Ron and I, was studying the doctrine, although we didn't call it this with with Ron, we were studying the doctrine of sanctification Mm -hmm. together. How does God uh, work in our lives once he saves us? What can the devil do? What can he not do? Will God keep us through temptations? The fact that we may fail at times from those temptations, does that take our salvation away? Or or does God use that to make us even stronger? Those are the kind of issues we went uh, through with Ron. And, and Ron, you and I were looking at passages that encouraged you 
that you were safe and secure in God's hands no matter what the devil did, or even if you failed at times. Isn't that right? That is correct, yes. And how uh, it was all part of the program that God had given us, that uh, when we fail, we simply seek confession from God. Uh, we confess our sins and seek forgiveness from God. And uh, and then you began to learn techniques of renewing your mind, because re- we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, it says in Romans right. 12. Right. And so as you began to uh, develop, well, what, can you remember some of the homework assignments that uh, you did? Yeah, um, basically, um, you, uh, during that time, like you said, you were, you were giving me scriptures on renewing your mind, mm-hmm. You're, you know, not to be, uh, trans- or not, not to be conformed this re- of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And um, basically some of the homework that, that uh, you had given me was on basically... Um, you know, reading God's Word, meditating on God's Word, knowing God's Word, and also um, through a spirit of discernment in the Holy Spirit, uh, knowing the enemy's lie and casting it down, not allowing it to have a stronghold mm-hmm. um, on, your, on your mind or on your, th- on your thought process, and that through, uh, you know, we are saved through grace, through a free gift, through the blood and power of Jesus Christ. Right. And as we confess it with our mouth and to man, we are forgiven, and, and no one can take that away from us. So um, just, just doing the homework assignments with you, uh, meditating on the Word and, and, and uh, renewing my mind by the Word of God and, and then just casting the enemy's lies down mm-hmm. and allowing God's truth um, to set me free and just, um, just staying in the Word like you, know, you had told me and, and realizing that uh, you know, we're justified and sanctified and, and uh, the enemy you know, is a liar, he's the father of lies, and, and uh, I'm saved by, by uh, Jesus Christ. And no one can take that away. Amen. One of the things uh, we spent time on was having you make a list of the ways you were thinking currently and uh, evaluate those and see if they really honored God, if those thoughts were, were uh, Christ-honoring or were they not. And we looked at putting those off and replacing those. Remember that? Yes. With, with thinking about things the way God says we should and thinking things that are true. That's the procedure that God gives us in Ephesians 4, putting off the old, putting on the new. And I remember that that began to really help you get control of how you think instead of just letting yourself think anyway, those those spirits, as you call them, put, would put thoughts in your mind and try to torment you. You were taking control over that. You were not allowing yourself to dwell on whatever the devil might want you to dwell on. You, by the power of God in you, said, no, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to make myself think things that God wants me to think. Mm. And you began to take uh, command, you might say. Holding every thought captive. Having, holding every thought captive. And uh, you began to turn around remarkably in just a really short time. I'm, I'm really proud of the work you did, uh, Ron, because uh, how many times did we meet? Uh, we were meeting on, on a one-week basis and uh, over a couple-month period, so... Um, Six, seven meetings, I think, is yeah. all, all. And, and uh, you, you've already testified. You've gotten your sleep back. The anxiety right. problems are gone. You're not depressed. Right. You have victory in Christ. Amen. <laughs> now, does, Ron, an honest question. This, does this mean you don't get tempted anymore in any kind of way whatsoever? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, not, not at all. It, it, what it showed me is that, I mean, as, as a Christian, we are, we are just to feed off his word and if you don't feed off his word daily and meditate on it and like you said renew your mind by the word of god and not just reading the word meditating on scriptures on his promises Mm -hmm. and as you continually 
get his word in not not only in your spirit in your heart but also in your mind yes it it just replaces the enemy's lies and you have and you you pick up a lot quicker and have that spirit of discernment praise be to god with the holy spirit and then just cast the enemy's lies out and uh one thing i've continued to do joe is is continually read his word and and meditate and i i myself personally try to get down uh, a, a scripture a week if i can mm. and and on his promises and just just allowing his truth just to be just saturate itself into my mind into my spirit and and allowing his truth just to set me free because you know uh, you know with us being in a fallen world and uh, you know the, the enemy's out there and he's and he's the father of lies and and, and um I know that uh, to you know to stay in the Lord, we must put on the full armor of God, and and um, our our double-edged sword is the Word of God. So praise yeah. be to God. And, now, and you know these things are true now. Uh, definitely, without a doubt. They're they're, um, they're bedrock. You're really secure in your relationship to Christ now, aren't you? Yes. Praise praise be to the Lord. I mean, I'm I'm strong in the Lord, and and um, and continue and to, to want, you know grow stronger and stronger in the Lord. And the only way I'm going to do that is meditating in His Word daily. Day. I mean, I just can't stress enough on how much we need to meditate in his word daily. I'd like to comment on that, Joe. Uh, sorry for interrupting you. Uh, this is Pastor Gus. Uh, we talk about renewing the mind. We talk about putting off and putting on. We talk about meditating on the word. A lot of people don't grab that, especially mm-hmm. some some people that uh, hear about biblical counseling. They they think it's, you know, take two scriptures, right. uh, uh, <laughs> drink a glass of water, and we'll see right. you in a couple of weeks. Right. I like the way you had added on to that, that you 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 uh, uh, brought this word into your spirit. The, this is this word is the word of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He says, "I am the word." So so we need to understand that we have to not only know the word, but we got to believe the word, and we got to believe the one that is the word. If he said these things, he gave these promises. We need to get to that point. And a lot of people have difficulty making that transition. Mm of being able to take that word and to hide it in their heart that they might not sin against thee, whether that sin is, is these thoughts or whatever happened that was coming to you. Mm-hmm. Ron, I, I would just say, too, that little wonder you're having victory because uh, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in mm-hmm. you richly right. in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace to your hearts in the Lord. And you, there is no uh, victory apart from the way that you uh, have been graced by God to find that victory, and that's so encouraging. And I think anyone that's listening should be encouraged by your testimony in the matters of. Uh, I mean, those were major things. And if you'd gone perhaps to the to the uh, secular answer, you'd still be in counseling. You'd still be struggling with those things. You'd still be looking uh, for some kind of answer. But how how thankful we are that God has directed you. Uh, to one who gave you the Word of God, and that the Word of God fulfills His promises for His Word. Amen. And um, there's just another scripture I'd like to point out that that just just backs that up. And I mean, His all His Word is is truth, and and that's Joshua one eight, where it says, mm. "It's one of my med- favorites." Yeah. Yeah, you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all is written mm. in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, there's no doubt. You know, as Christians, we're you you have to meditate in it day and night, and 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 just you know allow. Your, your spirit is not going to grow unless you meditate and, and just get that in your spirit and, like you said, renewing your mind. And um, I just give all praise to the Lord and, mm. and um, just praise the Lord that, uh, that that tribulation, that trial is in the past and that he's delivered me. Amen. Amen. And you're sharing, I know, with others. You told me, people that you work with, yep. what God is doing. 
Uh, Ron, your testimony is exciting and encouraging, and uh, we we want to thank you for calling. And may God continue to bless your growth as a Christian, just uh, two and a half years old, and you're already making mm. major leaps of progress. Praise God for that. Mm. Praise God, and God bless you. Yeah, have a good night, Ron. Good to hear from you, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. Now, brothers, we're talking about sanctification now, mm. and that's critical in this particular counseling situation with Ron. Uh, his his uh, his depression and anxiety developing after uh, battling with those tormenting thoughts was primarily due to a doctrinal problem. That's he right. did not have the correct beliefs about sanctification and his relationship with God ongoing, and uh, just just focusing in that area was enough for him, at least, to help him become free. Gus? We're, we're involved in, in uh, another uh, doctrinal uh, point here, and that is the doctrine of uh, progressive sanctification mm-hmm. and positional sanctification. And he, you had mentioned that he, therefore, a while struggled with the fact that, you know, did I lose my, did I lose my salvation? Uh, we knew the doctrine tells us and shows us how to distinguish between our progressive growth in Christ, by the by the by the by the by the Word of God, and that when we when we receive Him, when we embrace Him as our Savior, that we are positionally sanctified before Him. Mm-hmm. That we are, as I often refer to, wearing the white robe, even though under that I'm still sinning and I'm still in the process of. The Bible says, "If you say you don't sin, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you." So we're we're constantly working at at progressive sanctification, he's, he's, another doctrine. He's cleaning us up all the time. Yeah. The Puritans Amen. called that mortifying daily <clears throat> the deeds of the flesh. Yes. And and we need to be thinking about that in the matters of our, our own Christian walk and the way that we preach and teach. You know, Christianity itself, this is where we come back to justification. Christianity itself assumes the need for change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sure and does. so that process continues onward then. As we walk with Christ, he is continually showing us those things. That's why, and and I know my church family is very used to hearing me saying uh, something to this effect, but for the Christian who's in good co- communication with the Father, the idea in his prayer life that confession and repentance uh, are irregular things for him is, really is not a biblical concept. For the disturbing. true Christian... Pardon? <laughs> it's disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But for the true Christian... The matters of confession and repentance, I, I can't speak for you uh, men, but I know for myself that this is something that is co- constant, and that is what the Reformers called semper reformanda, that God is continually always, always reforming us, mm-hmm. always changing us, <coughs> always making you know, fulfill. We all ro- probably know Romans 8.28, but we leave off Romans 8.29, mm-hmm. that we've been predestined for a purpose, and the purpose is to look like Jesus. And just to go back to what you said, Gus, thank God, he already sees us that way. Mm-hmm. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began the good work in you, what's will. that? That's justification. Yeah. Will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. What's that? That's sanctification. Yeah, and, and again, we go in Philippians, work out your own salvation. Mm. There's something that God expects us to do. Not, our, not working out our eternal salvation, but working out the, 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 the transformation issue in our life. Mm-hmm. God is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And he is both at work in giving you the motivation and giving you the incentive and giving you the desire and the power, and, and, and the power to do this. Everything right. we need. I, I just, I don't, do we have to take a break? I was going to say, um, 
we we are going to take a break right now, but I want to encourage listeners. We got time for one more caller if you'd like to call in eight 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 six seven seven ninety six seventy three. We're going to talk a little bit more. Unless you call, we're going to talk a little bit more about doctrines when we come right back from this break. Stay there. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. Just before lunch, spend quality time in the Word. Weekdays at 1130 on AM 1220. The Word. We're back for our final segment. It's a short one tonight. Time flies, doesn't it, guys? Was we're talking about the Word and, and how good it, God is in helping people. Uh, Just like for us in church, time flies for the pastor. I'm not so sure about the people Amen. in the pew. Glenn, you wanted to uh, wrap a comment there? I, I just wanted to pick up on something that Gus said and, and just flip it a little bit in the in the matters of uh, people thinking that uh, sometimes we've been accused in biblical counseling that all we do is throw a Bible verse at a, a person's problem and, uh, you know, take two aspirin, read mm-hmm. this Bible verse, and you're going to be all better. And um, I just wanted to pick up on that, that that is absolutely uh, not what we do. It's, it's the matter of teaching people what uh, the Proverbs speak to, and that is wisdom. And the matter of wisdom is is application. And you men know, as I, and um, I think most Christians would know in the church, there's a major disconnect between what Christians know and what they do. Amen. And uh, so a real significant part of biblical counseling, and it's something that's a privilege for us as pastors to do, is to help to teach people. And I appreciated Ron saying that, you know, he was learning to do mm-hmm. something with God's Word. And what was yes. he learning to do with it? He, he just wasn't learning it. 
Yeah, he was, was learning, learning to do mm-hmm. something with it. Yeah, he was learning about it. He was learning how to use it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's, that's mm-hmm. the matter of application. And you know, if you think about Matthew chapter seven, there, there's a, there's a commonality between the wise man and the foolish man. And Jesus says one of the first points of commonality is this: they both hear his words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The difference is it's the wise man who it puts does. it into practice. Exactly what it is. And, and I think that this, just to speak to this issue and to say, we, we do far more than just throw Bible verses and prayer at people. I've been told that. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure you men have. We've heard it, sure. In, yep. the, in the matter of biblical counseling. And what, uh, what I think God gives us the ability to do is to say, this is how you uh, are transformed by the renewing of your mind through the application of the Word of God. And that takes us back to the very thing that we talked about at the beginning. You cannot, you cannot act saved unless you first think saved. Amen. And that's the point. We're um, running out of time quickly, and we haven't even discussed some of the other key doctrines that are critical to sound counseling philosophy and practice on the part of both the counselor and the counselee, such as the sovereignty of God. Wouldn't mm. that take the whole program oh, at wow. least to discuss how important that is? Not, and we've got the issue of ecclesiology. What's, what's the part of the church in a person's problem? So, um, Glenn, you're going to be hosting next week. I goofed earlier and said it was arm in arm. It'll be in a couple weeks. But you're going to be talking about uh, learning more about how to use the Scriptures, which is how we're ending the program today. In these closing moments, uh, let me just remind all of you listeners to tune in next Sunday night at 7 uh, p.m. sharp, and we'll talk more about biblical counseling and how it affects people and their problems. And this is sponsored again by BCI, where we will help you learn how to use the Bible to understand problems and to help others solve their problems. God bless you, and we'll look forward to talking with you next week. Huge and free. It's the NIV. Look and see the NIV at Crosswalk.com, along with other translations, Bible study tools, and other cool stuff. Free. Crosswalk.com. For 11 years, Mary Norman owned a convenience store. It was pretty glamorous at first, owning her own store and all. But after a few years, she started to realize she didn't really own a store. The store owned her. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? This is Andy Willoughby with the three-step plan home business system. Mary was working 60 to 80 hours a week to keep her convenience store going. She was working weekends and holidays because she couldn't find dependable help. Worst of all, when she figured out her actual earnings, 